This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You know, I missed that. I actually missed your cueing me when to start on this program, Mr. Vinko. Yes, I, I, I came back just for that purpose. I came back on the orders of the program director to restore oh. some type of order here. Oh, my goodness. And, and, I, and I, you know, I stumbled into you here in, in the kitchen time as you, you walked up flights and flights of stairs looking for a coffee cup. And, and, you, and you went to uh, other places of the empire to find that coffee cup. And um, I congratulate you that for it. I'm going to take that advice and do the same thing. You know, I would love to explain exactly what Mr. Minko was just referring to, but he gave a very concise version of it. Let's just say it was frustrating trying to have a cup of coffee. And realistically, that shouldn't be. All right, enough about that. Mink, it's good to see at, you. At least the, the result was positive. You found a cup. <laughs> and, and, and they know you and all the other radio stations oh, here. believe me. I they mean, know you me. know, you're extremely trust, popular. Trust you're on me. them all. Trust me. They know me. <laughs> they know me. <laughs> Uh, it's good to see you. It's going to be one of those mornings I can Well, you're in a good mood. I am. I am. And let me just say this to the folks who are listening. When it comes to Sunday mornings, pay very close attention. Now, on our program today, (laughs) we're going to get into an interesting area of discussion in both hours of our show. In the first hour, I'm very pleased that we have a guest who is joining us. To talk about an area of discussion that um, affects a lot of people who fall in the category of being what are referred to as baby boomers and gets into an area of discussion that, in a way, some people, I believe, tend to shy away from. Uh, Dr. Alan Leibowitz is joining us in this first hour of our program. Dr. Leibowitz is a a licensed psychologist. Uh, He has a specialty expertise in uh, pain management. He's joining us on our program to talk with us about, in a broad sense, the term um, discussion of baby boomers and the topic of mental health. Now, I say that, and some of you may wince rates as i'm saying that and i want to get into talking about exactly why that is first of all dr Leibowitz, it's nice to have you join us on our program good morning 
Good morning. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Great to be here. So many areas where we can go in this discussion, but I want to back up for a second and talk about this topic of mental health. You know, I say those two words. What does that immediately conjure up in your mind? Well, it conjures up in my mind that, uh, you know, mental health is an important area that is really overlooked, that people, like you were saying, just don't want to think about. You know, we, we are obviously concerned about our physical health, and we'll go to doctors for regular checkups. But when it comes to mental health, uh, people just don't want to talk about it. There's still that stigma about it. Why? Why is that? Well, it, it's really um, because it, it, it's, it's, it's a good question. Uh, I'm really not sure why. It's, it's kind of been mental health is considered to be the stepchild of, uh, of medical care, but it needs to be right up there because the, uh, the research, uh, the data has shown that uh, unless you take care of mental health, uh, physical health is going to suffer as well. You know, I always like to tell my patients that the mind and body are married. When one suffers, the other sympathizes. Uh, two are closely connected. Mm. You know, I mentioned the baby boomer generation in introducing you and introducing the topic today. How are we seeing this play out with baby boomers in terms of mental health issues? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, mental health issues are definitely uh, impacting uh, baby boomers. Uh, baby boomers are now living longer. Uh, they're working longer to have more active lifestyles. Uh, they're more physically healthy than uh, previous generations. Um, uh, they're going to um, large multidisciplinary uh, medical uh, specialty practices, such as uh, uh, here at uh, ProHealth, where I'm at. Um, and many of my patients are struggling, though, to, in, to address a key component to overall wellness, which is their mental health, which is, again, is simply just not getting the attention that it has to get. Um, and now what's really surprising is that the rates of mental health disorders are rising the fastest, fastest among baby boomers. Um, did you know that uh, actually 20% of people who are 55 or older do experience some type of a mental health issue. Um, uh, and the rates of depression are expected to double uh, in that age group. So stress, anxiety, mental health, substance use issues, these affect people from all walks of life. Uh, and we, we need to pay attention. We need to really put it on the front page. Well, I guess part of the approach in putting that on the front page is maybe taking a step or two toward trying to get us past some of the stigma. I mean, I assume part of the way of addressing that is even having discussions like the one we are having today. Yes, exactly. Um, I'm, I'm so glad that, first of all, that you're, you put this on, on your program. Um, and, you know, what causes an older adult to start experiencing mental health really are changes. Um, you know, we always talk about... Um, Teenagers who go through changes, actually the adolescence years are defined by change, but, it's, but you also look at older adults and they're going through a lot of changes, uh, the death of loved ones, uh, medical problems that could lead to lack of independence or lead to uh, chronic pain, 
retirement uh, issues. Uh, we often underestimate how difficult it is to retire. You know, you're working, and then suddenly you stop working. That's, that's not easy to get over. Also, we have the issues of being a caregiver. Many older adults, uh, baby boomers, uh, have to take care of aging parents. Um, that can be very stressful. And the cognitive changes. As we get older, um, our memories are affected. Normal memory changes. Uh, we become more forgetful, things like that. So um, if these, uh, you know, it's normal to go through an adjustment period after experiencing these kind of life events before you start to feel well again. Okay, you led perfectly into an area where I wanted to go in this discussion when we talk about these cognitive changes. And a lot of people seem to fear them and to immediately think that their uh, inability at times to remember something is a sign that, you know, dementia is around the corner or something like that, or Alzheimer's is around the corner. I mean, do we have to put that in really in perspective? Uh, yes. Yes, we do. We have to realize that normal memory issues are part of aging um, and nothing to really be overly concerned about. Um, but, but there are things that can be done. Uh, we need to exercise our brains uh, the same way that we exercise our bodies. So uh, keeping an, uh, an active lifestyle, um, making sure that you read, making sure that you do puzzles, uh, making sure that you interact with people. Um, the worst thing to do is to stay alone in your house, uh, not have interactions with people, not use your brain. You have to use your brain in order to maintain your brain. It's really... Um, just like we say with our physical bodies, use it or lose it, it's the same thing with the brain. It's really a matter of using it or losing it. Mm. We're talking on our program on The Fan, Sports Radio 66, Sports Radio 1019 with Dr. Alan Leibowitz. Uh, Dr. Leibowitz is a licensed psychologist. Uh, he serves as Director of Psychological Services of the Division of Integrative Pain Medicine for ProHealthCare Associates. Would you tell us a little bit about ProHealthCare Associates? Sure. ProHealthCare Associates is one of the largest multi-specialty integrated healthcare groups uh, in the Northeast. Uh, it's really a matter of kind of one-stop healthcare for all ages. So um, you go to ProHealth and you have every specialty, uh, every medical specialty there is. You, you also have psychological care. Um, you have urgent care centers, primary care centers, specialty care centers, um, and uh, it's really a great way of getting this integrated care that has become more and more popular because people realize that uh, healthcare professionals can have tunnel vision. We have to view the person as a whole person and evaluate every part of, of who they are in order for them to get a really good care. Now, Dr. Leibowitz, you also serve as a, a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry at um, the Hofstra Northwell, Northwell uh, School of Medicine at Hofstra University. 
Um, you know, you have an interesting background, and when you talk about that idea of how it is that um, medical professionals view patients, I guess it's important to be able to assess the patient in a number of different areas when you're determining an approach toward trying to promote and balance proper mental health? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. You, you, you really hit the, uh, hit the nail on the head. Uh, we need to look at um, the person in terms of um, behavioral changes, um, are they beginning to withdraw socially? Is their personal appearance deteriorating? Uh, loss of appetite? Um, we need to look at some of the mood changes. Do they seem to be more uh, withdrawn, depressed, anxious? Uh, these are kind of like the indicators that um, uh, people uh, around baby boomers need to be aware of and, uh, and to perhaps begin to do something uh, for the person. Okay. In a couple minutes, I want to get into talking about this idea of um, when it is that one should um, seek uh, professional treatment, because this also comes up as an interesting area of discussion and sometimes debate, uh, too. I'm interested in getting your perspective on that. Um, I'll just mention the fact we're talking with uh, Dr. Alan Leibowitz on our program. He's with us for our 6 o'clock hour this morning. And get other areas of discussion to uh, get into, too, and talking about this broad topic of baby boomers and mental health on the fan this Sunday morning. It's Sunday morning on the fan. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. We're in discussion with Dr. Alan Leibowitz on our program. Uh, Dr. Leibowitz is a licensed psychologist. He has joined us on our program, as I mentioned earlier in our discussion. Uh, He serves as director of integrative pain medicine for ProHealthCare Associates and is a clinical associate professor in the Department of Psychiatry at the Hofstra Northwell School of Medicine at Hofstra University. He's talking with us about this topic of baby boomers and uh, mental health. There's a couple of very interesting areas that have been mentioned thus far in our discussion. What I want to do is uh, two things before we explore um, an area that I alluded to before we paused for our update and messages One thing is to mention the fact that for folks who are listening to us, if you want to join the discussion, and um, I think this is an important discussion that we are having today about this uh, topic of mental health, you can at 877-337-6666. That's our number here at The Fan. And the other thing that we should do a couple of times in our discussion, Dr. Leibowitz, is what's um, a resource or resources for folks who are listening to us who perhaps want more information on some of the things that we're talking about today in terms of mental health and baby baby boomers? Sure. That's a great um, – I'm glad you just asked me about that. Yes. So people who are interested in getting some help to somebody is um, – there are several uh, websites uh, and organizations that are extremely helpful. There's uh, first, there's the New York State Psychological Association. 
uh, or NISPA, N-Y-S-P-A. They have a great, uh, great website and a referral service. There's always the American Psychological Association. Uh, that's a national uh, organization of uh, psychologists. Um, there is um, an organization called NAMI, National Alliance on Mental Illness, N-A-M-I. And they actually have a helpline at uh, 1-800-950-NAMI. Uh, and then one, just one last resource let me throw in there. It's the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, or SAMHSA, S-A-M-H-S-A. And they have a national helpline, uh, 1-800-662-HELP. And these, these can really help you get a referral uh, to get to the appropriate uh, professional uh, to help uh, uh, your loved one. Okay, this leads us perfectly into the area of discussion that I mentioned earlier. And this is the idea of how do you know when it's time to seek professional treatment? Mm-hmm. Right. That's a, that's a great, great question. Well, it's when uh, changes begin to persist. We talk about changes as, as, uh, as we get older. Uh, but usually the person adjusts to it. But sometimes they don't adjust, and they begin to interfere with daily life and normal functioning. Um, that's when you need to seek treatment um, so that the person can uh, feel better. So, again, you need to look at the behavioral changes of the person. Are, they, are their behaviors getting different uh, than the way they used to be? Mood changes uh, and also those cognitive changes. Are their thoughts uh, becoming different. Um, uh, that's, those are kind of like the red flags. Um, and you need to recognize that there is this stigma around mental health issues, uh, particularly among older adults. Um, if they've never seen a mental health professional or psychologist before, um, they're pretty resistant to, to doing that. Um, and so you need to begin the conversation with them. Because it's important to realize that untreated mental health conditions can have really serious consequences, including risk of suicide or worsening of medical conditions. Uh, you know, in my practice of being a psychologist over all these years, um, it's, it's, it's pretty clear that unresolved stress uh, can, can kill you. Uh, it can lead to every major disease there is. Um, stress... Uh, leads to chronic pain or can make chronic pain worse. Uh, one of the areas I've worked in uh, uh, for many years has been chronic pain. And invariably, people who suffer with chronic pain will say that when they're under stress, their pain is worse. So, so that's why these, these issues are so important to address. Well, when you talk about this idea of there being um, a, a stigma or resistance on the part of um, older adults to uh, mental health um, treatments and the like, then how do you get somebody who's resistant past that to actually seek treatment or to get treatment for the person? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you need to start the conversation with them. You need to kind of start it gently. Um, it's important not to be confrontational, um, but you need to start it gently. Show that you're concerned in a way that's not confrontational or judgmental. Kind of keep your questions simple. 
uh, offer reassurance and hope. Uh, try to be positive. Try to present the issue in a positive way rather than, than a negative way. <clears throat> Excuse me. So you don't get, you don't get uh, the person um, uh, defensive in any way. And also actually suggest reaching out to a support resource. So there might even be a, um, someone in the religious community that they are close with um, or someone they know in a, in a senior center that they're close with. Uh, what's really interesting, Bob, is that primary care physicians, um, they provide the most mental health care, um, but, but many times they don't have the right training to recognize and treat mental health issues associated with aging. There's an amazing statistic that 70% of all primary care visits are driven by psychological factors like panic, depression, stress. Uh, many visits to the uh, ER, to the emergency room, are really um, psychological visits that present in a physical manner. Um, so um, that's why it's so important to overcome the stigma um, that, that, that exists about mental health. Also, one, one other point I just want to make is that we need to recognize the cultural barriers. In many cultures, the stigma for mental health is even greater. So... Um, for example, African Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans all utilize mental health services at much lower rates than Caucasian Americans do. And so if you're faced with, with that population, um, your, your battle to overcome the stigma is even greater. Okay, so if that's the case... And I understand what you're saying in terms of not being um, confrontational with mm -hmm. someone because that's the last thing you want to do is to put right. the person um, who you believe is dealing with this in a situation where they're on the defensive. Um, should you seek I – mean, you're doing this for somebody who's a loved one, who's a family member – should you seek the support of other family members in trying to do this? You know, so it's not just one person who's, you know, may come off as playing the role of, for lack of a better term, the bad guy or the bad girl. Mm -hmm. Right. Good point. Yes, it's always important. Try to involve family members who have a good, close relationship with, with your loved one. Um, you don't want to um, have a large group saying some, something, it, it probably will put your loved one on, on the defensive um, and put up their guard even more. But yes, certainly be persistent with the message. Uh, maybe uh, it requires several conversations. Uh, but the key point is to start the conversation. Don't, don't ignore it. Um, you have to, people need to realize that addressing the mental health issues uh, of, of baby boomers is so important. You need to start the conversation. Mm. And when we're having that conversation these days, uh, too, a lot of people will bring up the issue of um, the pharmaceutical approaches that there are, because obviously there are many different um, drugs that are available. Where do you, I guess, fall in that kind of an approach to um, mental illness? Well, certainly pharmaceuticals play an important role. Um, uh, we need to realize that they are there to help. 
um, and uh, uh, certainly getting um, physicians involved who are experienced um, in geriatrics uh, is important. So pharmaceuticals are important, um, and actually uh, the research has shown that therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, along with pharmaceuticals, really seems to work the best. So kind of like putting everything on, uh, you know, help, helping the uh, baby boomer with as, as much as we have in our arsenal. Mm. And when we're taking this kind of an approach, um, what do you look for as, I guess, positive signs or indications that the person that you're trying to help is actually being responsive and is getting the message because very often they're not going to say, Oh, okay. This sounds like a great idea. Yeah. Let's go and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll take some time, but right. there may be some signs that, yeah, the message is getting through. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. You do need to, be, as I said, you need to be persistent. You need to say, this is a, this is a conversation that, as you said, the person's not going to say, oh, yes, I'm going to go see the psychologist. It's, it, it's going to take some time. You need to be gentle in your approach, but persistent in your approach. And as you said, maybe more than one person in the family needs to approach the baby boomer and, and begin to um, address these issues. Okay. Now, you mentioned a term earlier in our discussion that, um, again, in the society in which we live, very often is not discussed, but is a concern at times. And that term is suicide. I mean, how concerned um, should we be if somebody is um, displaying signs of, you know, that they have a, a really a serious or what appears to be a serious mental health condition? Mm-hmm. Sure. Suicide is definitely something that you do not take lightly and must always take seriously. If uh, the baby boomer is um, voicing um, statements such as they don't want to live anymore, they have nothing to live for, that doesn't necessarily mean suicidal intent, but it does mean that you have to take it very seriously, and that just increases the urgency of getting them uh, some help because um, suicide rates among the um, baby boomer and elderlies, elderly people are definitely um, on the rise. Um, we often don't think of uh, the elderly as having high suicide rates, but, but they do. Mm. And again, you know, some of these statistics that you've, things you've mentioned to us, they're facts, um, but probably not that well known. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, they are, they're definitely not well known. Why, um, not, why not? Well, because again, the, our, I think our, our society has, has this bias um, against uh, mental health, um, and uh, we focus on, on medical health. Uh, and, and the idea has always been, well, just get over it or just don't think about it. Just get it out of your mind. Uh, 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 you know, don't be sad. Don't be depressed. Um, but it's not that simple. Uh, depression is a real disease. 
Uh, it's, it's, it's as real a disease as cancer or heart disease. Uh, and our society needs to begin to take this uh, much more seriously uh, because uh, stress does, uh, does kill. Uh, and there's no question that depression and anxiety are, are very harmful and, and leads to medical issues. Um, so um, this is an important issue, and I'm glad uh, you're giving me the uh, time to talk about this. Well, I think it's an important area to discuss, and when we come back from our break, I want to talk about um, also the, uh, I guess, schooling, for lack of a better term, or education that those in the medical profession uh, get in um, approaching this in in dealing with some of these issues uh, facing uh, older adults, what that experience is like, what the education's like, basically how much time is actually devoted to that in uh, medical school too. I'll mention the fact that we're talking on our program on the fan with Dr. Alan Leibowitz. Uh, Dr. Leibowitz, as I've mentioned, is a licensed psychologist. His specialty and expertise is in pain um, management. Uh, he serves as director of uh, psychological services in the Division of Integrative Pain Medicine for Pro Healthcare Associates. We've mentioned a couple of different um, things in terms of contact information uh, for some entities. We will repeat that information before we are done in our discussion. He's with us in our 6 o'clock hour of our program this Sunday morning. It's Sunday morning on The Fan. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. We're talking with Dr. Alan Leibowitz on our program on The Fan this Sunday morning. You want to join us in our discussion, you can at 877-337-6666. The topic of baby boomers and mental health. Dr. Leibowitz is a licensed psychologist. He's shared an awful lot with us thus far in our discussion. You know, one thing that I did not do in the beginning of our chat today is to mention the fact that it was really last month, um, the month of May, that um, one of the acknowledgments of that month is as a mental health awareness month. What is the significance of that, Dr. Lee Woods? Well, I think it's very significant, Bob. Uh, it's uh, a, so important for people to be um, aware of mental health issues um, and and to bring this to the forefront, as I said, to put it kind of like on the front page, uh, because mental health affects uh, every part of our society, uh, and it affects it affects all of us. Uh, we all have mental health, just like we have physical health, and uh, mental health will deteriorate or change from time to time. And I think that some of these there are some significant mental health issues that. Um, uh, people just are not willing to address uh, the stigma of mental health um, is is really there. And as I said, uh, mental health is often the stepchild of, uh, of medical care, uh, and it needs to be on equal footing with uh, medical care. And when we talk about mental health and the approach that is taken to that in medical school, I guess... How much time do those who are entering the profession, how much do they really get exposed to 
mental health areas of discussion? Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's definitely getting better. Um, when uh, uh, back in the uh, uh, 70s and 80s, um, uh, there was not much attention to it. It was all strictly the medical approach with, with a little exposure to, uh, to psychiatry, but it definitely is getting better. There is now the approach of, of humanity, um, looking at humane care of patients. Um, uh, medical students are getting exposed to uh, patients earlier and earlier, uh, in their education, uh, there, there are patient volunteers, uh, uh, people who pose as uh, patients, who act as patients, and, and uh, medical students from the outset get exposed to that. Uh, there's also more of an approach to uh, palliative care, much more of an emphasis on uh, end-of-life care uh, that, uh, that's now being uh, instilled in, uh, in the medical system. And is that being driven by the fact that you mentioned earlier, basically, that people are living longer and at times have more active lifestyles? Yes. Yes, definitely. Uh, the whole field of geriatrics has grown as a result. Uh, we're seeing older and older patients. Um, and um, uh, I, I see um, several uh, patients in my practice who are well into their 90s. Uh, and um, these are uh, ages of patients that we never used to see uh, uh, 10, 20 years ago. So people are living longer, and, and, and the whole medical system needs, needs, to be, uh, needs to change their approach to, uh, to medical care. And with the people that you see who are living longer, mm-hmm. are they concerned about quality of life? Yes. Yes, it, it, that's really a good point. Yes, they are concerned about quality of life. They're trying to hold on to their independence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, as we get older, we begin to lose more and more of our independence. We, we may not be able to drive anymore. Uh, we may not be able to take care of ourselves fully. And, and having to adjust to have someone in our house uh, to, to help take care of us um, these are all very difficult adjustments, and while you might think of a person in their 90s as well, of course they they should just you know get used to this. Um, it's still a it's a very hard adjustment. WFAN's toll free line eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. It's brought to you by Mohegan Sun. Unlimited possibilities await you at Mohegan Sun. Plan your stay at mohegansun dot com. As I mentioned, you have a question or thought along the lines of what we're talking about. You can join us in our discussion at 877-337-6666. And I'll tell you what, let's do a phone call here. Um, Go to Edgewater, New Jersey, to Carmine. Carmine, good morning. Welcome to the fan. Good morning. Thank you for taking the call. Uh, You know, I have a couple of situations. I'm not looking for a diagnosis, of course. Carmine, 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 you got to turn the radio um, down or off completely. It's gonna otherwise it's gonna throw you off completely. There. Hello. Yep. Okay. I'm so, I'm sorry. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm a little nervous. I I have a friend who leans on her religious beliefs uh, and and does not function properly except with help from her friends and family. You know, to a certain point. And I'm wondering if the doctor has come in contact with that. And then I have a second question about another individual. Who works? Of course, she can't be have any mental illness because she functions every day in a 
and a job, but at the same time um, uh, is very distant from, from people, especially her own family. So uh, these might be common situations that you come in contact with, and I'm just asking for some brief you know, suggestions, if you, whatever you can, you know, provide over the phone. And, I, you know, maybe I'm asking too much. Mm-hmm. All right. D- Dr. Leibowitz? Yes. Okay. So certainly um, in first case, in terms of your friend who you said is leaning on, on her religious beliefs, um, well, religion and spirituality are, are important coping techniques, and, and sometimes uh, that happens to be a really good way to cope. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really um, being spiritual and, and it can really give you a great, great way of um, um, helping you kind of li- live and organize your life. Um, and so you certainly do need to respect that. Um, and perhaps there's someone um, within her um, uh, church or synagogue who could begin to help her. Um, uh, many times that's the uh, front line of, of mental health. Um, uh, if she's distancing herself from other people, um, well, then that's that's uh, you know that's an issue, um, and maybe someone within her uh, her religion uh, can can help her. Um, I don't know if that's helpful at all. But then there's a, you mentioned your other friend who's uh, functioning in her job, but but distancing herself from her family. Yeah, you know she feels um, you know people are looking at her or. You know, she's very aware, very oversensitive to to uh, people's opinions of her. You know, it's always a constant response about this person not liking her or following her, and you know, c- kind of uncomfortable. You know, conversations. I'm not qualified enough to have a mm-hmm. uh, an answer. I, I just want to be able to say, you know, what are the first lines of providing that that sensitive response to her concerns without giving improper, you know, triggers. You know, I don't want to create incidents. Right, right. Sure, certainly, you don't want to be uh, confrontational with her, or right. you know, create emotional distress that's that's even greater. Um, so again, you need to kind of open the conversation with her by by um, showing that you you understand and you're empathic, offer reassurance and hope, um, and, um, and try not to be um, accusatory uh, with right. her. And maybe suggest uh, I don't know if she, you know she would be willing to seek professional help. Um, it might be you know helpful for her to speak to someone who's objective and neutral, and that's right. really one of the values of um, of, of therapy is mm-hmm. speaking with a neutral person who can listen and kind of be objective and 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 really help the person. Uh, many times, family members are just overly involved, and there's too much of a history uh, in order for them to be effective as as listeners. Yes, they, you know that's a good point because they I've asked her, of course, to just seek whatever is provided at the at the place of business, which is um, something that she's avoided. But she has taken some suggestions and spoken to people, and they and generally speaking. Uh, it's always leave the scene of the crime, which means, you know, go out, be independent on your own, and get away from family. So, so now it's a complete opposite. Now we went from being sensitive and suggestive to now she's listening to the advice she's getting, which is detach yourself from the family. Leave the scene of the crime. That's the advice she's getting. See, it concerns me. I don't, I'm, I'm not smart enough or qualified enough to, to understand it. One in one case, she's very. Uh, one is one of the individuals is very. Uh, uh, she's not working at all, but takes a lot of notes all day long in the library. And the other one does work, 
but now is being told to leave the scene of the crime, which means you know get away from your parents, get away from family, and get away from you know the place that you were born because they they put the emphasis on that being the origin of a of a problem. Oh, I see. Who, who's giving her that advice? I think some groups, some group, local groups in the community, like when they attend these these uh, mass groups, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like Alcohol Anonymous or Drug right. Anonymous or, or, right. or any of those mass groups. I've gone to them as a family member, and they, they kind of uh, really draw the line between your involvement with your own blood relatives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They really, really want to make a distinction, almost... You know, almost to a point where it's insulting, you know, to my mom, for example. But she says, oh, you know, why are those people keeping us from her? You know, that's really the impact of it. And I don't know whether or not, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of alternatives out there. I just want to find the right one. We're loving, involved, you know, um, uh, siblings and parents of, of the person that I'm discussing. Mm-hmm. So so right. how do you find the proper channel? <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> you certainly do sound like you... Uh, you care about her very much, and, and, and yeah, and that's really great. Um, this does sound a little complicated, and it's difficult to offer a, um, help like this without knowing the situation fully. But is it uh, common? Is it is it a common general concern or or situation that you come in contact with where non professionals or these massive groups that that have a blanket answer for everyone give that same advice? You know, detach yourself from your family. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it, it does happen. Uh, generally, the, uh, the groups, groups like uh, AA or NA are, tend to be very supportive, um, and, and they are very helpful resources for people who have uh, um, issues with substance abuse. Um, but um, in terms of their advice, it, it does vary. Um, and I, I find a difference between group, different groups. So that you have mm-hmm. some AA groups that are really positive and great, and some AA groups that are um, negative. And uh, perhaps she needs to switch her group um, and, and just go to try a different group out. Um, oh, I see. It's not a tenant of that organization. No, no. It's oh, not. Oh, okay. it's not. It, it really does seem to vary between, uh, between groups. Carmine, thank thank you very much. Thank you very much for your call this morning, your patience on the phone, too. Hopefully we address some of your questions. Appreciate it. Thank you. Let's stay on the phones. Uh, Let's see. We'll go next to uh, Jerry in Brooklyn. Jerry, good morning. Welcome to The Fan. Good morning, Bob. As usual, just a great show. Hello, Dr. Leibowitz. How are you, sir? Okay. Uh, I'm 71 years old. I've worked with most of the at-risk populations in those years uh, for 37 years, and I absolutely, it's a great show, and I absolutely agree with you with mental health, especially for the elderly. At 71 years old, I've always felt that um, to be relatively happy, to live a happy life, a person needs a good family, a small circle of natural supports, friends that they could depend on, and a job that brings self-worth. I was 0 for 3, am 0 for 3, was 0 for 3, uh, don't have a family. Uh, my inner circle of friends either passed away or moved away, and I retired. And one thing I learned about um, retirement, it's not for everyone from a mental health standpoint, doctor. It, I felt like I was driving a car into the garage and turning the ignition off to shut the engine for the last time. And I went back to work, and I'm working with... Um, autistic uh, uh, people, um, and, and I, I, I just feel that 
there has to be more emphasis, you're correct, on the mental health aspect rather than the medical aspect, or it's just as important. It should be equally as important. And I read a statistic which, which blew me away. Every day in this country, 10,000 people turn 65 years of age, and that will happen for the next 19 years. And you could Google that. And when I listen on the radio, I hear a lot of commercials about cancer. I have cancer as well, so maybe I'm a little bit, uh, maybe I pay attention to it a little bit more. But um, and there's just not enough aspect on the uh, mental health issue today. And I don't think we're ready for it. It seems like a tsunami that is on its way. And, um, and I wonder if we have enough folks. Uh, as usual, Bob, just a great show. Doctor, love listening to you. Thank you, and have a good day, folks. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much for your call, your comments this morning, uh, Jerry. Uh, next to Marie on Long Island. Marie, thanks for holding on. Welcome to the fan. Oh, good morning. Can you hear me okay? We can hear you just fine. Okay, thank you. Um, I also want to congratulate you for this um, morning program. Um, it really is offering very good advice and help to people who either are having problems themselves or who love people who do. Um, I have an elderly relative who's on a limited income, and um, she really could benefit from some counseling, mental health counseling, and she's open to that. However, she's finding here um, on Long Island, perhaps it's different elsewhere, um, if you have to go um, to a therapist once a week and then see someone for medicine management, um, she doesn't have the money to pay her premiums and then pay um what she owes in co-payments. And, you know, younger people can go to clinics. There are very few clinics out here on Long Island that accept, um, what is the elderly insurance, Medicare? Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, you know, what's being done in the insurance concerns or to help people that maybe couldn't afford their co-pays four times a month to see a therapist and okay. then to see a doctor for medical management as well. All right, I'm going to let Dr. Usually... Marie, I'm going to let Dr. Leibowitz address that. I'm sorry we are out of time here. Um, Dr. Leibowitz, quickly? Yes, very quickly. Um, Marie, it's, it's a great question you ask, and it's a real problem uh, in terms of uh, many mental health professionals don't take insurance, uh, particularly psychiatry, psychiatrists in particular don't take health insurance and people who can't afford it have trouble finding somebody. So one quick uh, resource I'll give you is, uh, because you mentioned Nassau County, Nassau County Psychological Association, if you look them up, they do offer low-fee services. Um, and uh, so that might be a resource. And also, you can try the New York State Psychological Association, uh, NISPA. Uh, they also have a referral service, and, and there are providers out there who do offer low-fee services. Dr. Alan Leibowitz, our guest this hour of our program on The Fan, thank you very much for joining us and sharing the information you have. Oh, it's my pleasure, Bob. Thank you. We have a lot more to get to on our program this Sunday morning.
guess it's a good thing I came back in. I gotta stop wandering around not I... only this floor, but this building. I'm doing a live show. What is this? I can't get up and leave during the show. No. No. I'm going uh, uh, visit uh, people at other radio stations. Uh, I, I Well, you have, you know, people to see. Don't I do. Be, I mean, I, do. I know how it is. You just walk into these other radio stations <laughs> and they, they take a look and you just sit there and say, instead of saying good morning, don't you know who I am? I'm Bob Salter. <laughs> it's good to have you back here for the second half of the program. I was worried in the middle of the sportscast whether you would come back. You know... <sighs> Mink, it's so much fun having you around on a Sunday morning. I've, <laughs> I had almost forgotten what this experience could be like. So you missed me. I was summoned. You know that. Hang on for a second. Let's go back to that idea of I missed you. <laughs> I'm still pondering that. <laughs> I'll have an answer by the end of the show, I'm sure. <laughs> it's good to have you with us. Mr. Binko is keeping us up to date on happenings in the sporting world this Sunday morning. After his 8 o'clock update, Rick Wolf is along with the Sports Edge program. And after his 9 o'clock update, well, as they say, the fortunes of broadcasting take a kind of a different turn. You'll understand exactly why if you're around after 9 this Sunday morning. We move into an interesting area of discussion this hour of our program and this is a little different than what was originally planned uh, for today, but in a way, it's a very timely discussion, too. Um, we have a guest who is joining us by phone who's going to share his perspective on um, what turned into a major news story from the entertainment world, if we can phrase it that way, this past week. As many of you, I'm assuming, are aware, Roseanne Barr's TV show on ABC television was a huge hit being um, rebooted after all these years and was canceled this past week after Roseanne, at the early part of the week, supposedly in the middle of the night, came out with this tweet that some people have labeled racist. And she was pretty much universally condemned by a lot of people and different entities. Um, ABC summarily fired her. Um, fired the show, fired everybody associated with the show, basically, on the spot as soon as this officially became uh, known on Tuesday, I guess it was, during the day. Ryan McCormick is joining us on our program. Ryan's a co-founder of Goldman McCormick Public Relations, which is a public relations or PR um, agency. And he's joining us on our program to share some of his perspective on exactly how this was handled, what this really means as well. And it's an interesting area because we don't really get into um, talking with people from Ryan's field on this show. 
though folks like Ryan are an important aspect of how it is that we do shows like this. Ryan, good morning. Welcome to The Fan. Well, good morning, Mr. Salter. It's an honor to be with you, and I definitely know who you are because I'm wearing my I'm president of the Bob Salter Fan Club t-shirt right now. <laughs> Your check is in the mail. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> well... I guess first, let's get your um, thoughts, reaction uh, to the events of this past week with um, Roseanne Barr's tweet, first of all, and then secondly, um, this firing and all the attention that came to this. Well, Bob, I see the first thing is that never have I ever seen an era where what you post on social media can have ramifications that destroy your career at a breathtaking speed. I thought Louis C.K. was the fastest person I've ever seen to destroy his career. But then Roseanne came out, one tweet, you know, destroyed her comeback and destroyed the, um, the careers of all those other people that were on her show. I, I just can't believe how quickly it happened. And it seems that right now, in this era, that these companies that hire individuals that represent them should probably implement a strict new Twitter policy, which means that you do not tweet anything that is not in alignment with the values of the company for which you are portraying, because as shocking as the firing was, as shocking as people are saying, well, you know, this is their freedom of speech. I understand if you're an employee of a company and you say something that is completely against the company's values, that, you know, it is their right to, to do whatever they need to do because you are an employee of them. So I just think with Roseanne, it's, it's just amazing at the tweet for what should happen and the severity of the consequences of just one tweet. Well, you know, you look back in time, let's go back a couple of decades. Obviously, social media was not around. Um, you didn't have this instantaneous uh, communication. There were, it seems, different standards that took place um, then. The change that we're seeing and the speed with which all the events surrounding this took place, I mean, in a way, should we be surprised by this, or is this the new norm? I guess it's the new norm, but there, Bob, I would say that I think there's one thing very positive about it and one thing very negative, and the positive thing about it is that when things are negative, we, when we can see something that's bad in social justice, people can react to it very quickly, and you can build a lot of movement. The negative thing I see about this is that there are other people, aside from Roseanne, that say something, that do something, um, that make an average mistake, and they apologize for it, and the lynch mob that comes after them is unforgiving, unrelenting, and just seeks to destroy them, and I just think that there's a era of viciousness in this country to the likes of which we've never seen before. So I think it's, it's positive that, you know, we're going to go out, the, the, the Me Too movement, that they're finding out people who are doing very bad things and outing them. But again, the negative thing is that I think that just the viciousness for what happens is unprecedented. What's really driving that? I think what happens is um, there are a lot of people, believe it or not, that are, um, they are outraged, but they're, they're also... Yeah, nothing really going on, and there are a lot of people who are perpetually offended. And, you know, sometimes they're very frustrated in their lives, and they want to take it out of someone. I think that there's justifiable anger towards people who do things. I also think that there's some anger out there that is directed towards a person in order for people to feel better. 
And the last time I checked, there are a lot of people in this country right now that are struggling. They're struggling financially. They're struggling to make ends meet. They've got a lot of things going on. So sometimes I feel like these lynch mobs that go after these people, it's a way for people to kind of release themselves, to release the anger, to take the attention off themselves. Again, not to justify any kind of racial behavior or anything sexist, but I do feel that sometimes when people are attacking another person, it's a way of kind of relieving themselves, releasing some emotions out. 29 years it took for Roseanne's show to make a comeback, and it came back in a huge fashion. I mean, phenomenal number of people that watched the comeback of that show. 18.2 million, yeah, incredible. Could that have even been anticipated that that would be that large? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it could have been anticipated, but there's one thing that this comeback proves is that Roseanne's show targeted and uh, captivated the attention of millions of Americans. Whether people love her or dislike her, her show you know, held the attention of a lot of people. And there's something we want to think about is that many years ago, Roseanne Bangled, uh, I'm sorry, she bought the Star Spangled Banner at the Padres, San Diego Padres game. Mm-hmm. And everyone thought that, that he was the end of her. I mean, she got a con- condemnation by President George W. Bush then. So when that happened, everyone thought she was done. But her career continued because people really like disliked her, but they loved her show. And I'm wondering if that same thing was going to happen, if people are going to say, well, listen, I don't like what Roseanne did in her personal life, but I really do like her show. And I watched the first season of her show, and I have to say that I, I was impressed. I, I thought that they were tackling a lot of issues. And once again, it's the show seemed to be on the cusp of becoming another trailblazer type TV show. So I don't know what's going to happen, Bob. Maybe she may have another place and another platform. Who knows? What about a reboot of the show basically without her, which is one of the rumors that has sort of circulated in the past couple of days? I would not be surprised if it did happen. They were able to successfully reboot Two and a Half Men without Charlie Sheen. Mm-hmm. And many years ago, there was a show called Valerie, starring Valerie Harper, and she had a problem with the network. And she was the main star of the show that they built it around, and they got rid of her. And they just renamed the show called The Hogan Family. I believe it lasted for two more seasons. So when a show has a strong base and you do have a strong following amongst your fans, I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it did it, but I don't know if it necessarily would be working because Roseanne, whether we want it or not, is the center of that show. It's named after her. All right. Now, in introducing you, I mentioned the fact you know that you're a co-founder of uh, Goldman McCormick uh, Public Relations. This is your area of specialty. Yeah. The question for you is, can Roseanne Barr come back? Well, there's a lot of this. You have to see if people are going to eventually be forgiving. You know, one of the benefits of uh, American society, even the world society, is that they tend to have very short-term memories. But if Roseanne uh, goes out and continues to apologize and does things that are peaceful and positive within the community, there's a lot of outreach. I believe that in time she could reestablish herself, but she's got to stop tweeting. I mean, she's got to really clean up her Twitter account and, you know, make sure that in the future that she's only tweeting about positive things. A lot of these celebrities have no idea how much power they have. I was, I was actually um, trying to engage Jim Carrey last night because he, every day he's doing a tweet about another drawing that he does condemning uh, the Trump administration. He's being very political. I said, Jim, 
You've got 18.9 million followers. If every day you tweeted a link to a charity and said, hey, donate to this charity, you'd be doing so much more good. And I feel like with Roseanne, the same thing with her huge following. She could be doing a lot of good. She could be encouraging people to engage in different activities and help other people. And I believe if she does this over a longer period of time, right, the tell-all book, you know, does a tearful type interview where she really confesses. I mean, she feels really awful. A lot of things could turn around. I always say never say never. I mean, other people can turn it around. Okay. All right. I want to follow up on that. There's a couple other areas where I want to go in discussion. We'll uh, continue our chat with uh, Ryan McCormick, this portion of our program on The Fan. It's Sunday morning on The Fan. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Solter. We're in a discussion with Ryan McCormick. In this portion of our program, Ryan is the founder of Goldman, uh, co-founder of Goldman McCormick uh, Public Relations. He has joined us uh, by phone on our program. We're talking with him about some of the uh, aftermath of uh, this whole controversy surrounding uh, remarks that Roseanne Barr had uh, tweeted this past week that um, prompted ABC to drop her show uh, in a heartbeat, uh, basically, and uh, people to try to distance themselves from her in a huge fashion. Uh, a lot of feedback uh, on this as well, and um, getting some of uh, Ryan's thoughts um, from the standpoint of what the short-term versus the long-term impact of this is for uh, Roseanne Barb. Does this send a bigger message for those in the entertainment field when it comes to the use of social media? I believe it does, yes. I believe that people in the social media and entertainers that are with corporations, they have to be very careful what they're tweeting about. And I think that... It, uh, the the speed of outrage is going to question make people question a lot of what they what they share. I mean, right now it seems that everyone can be offended by anything at any given moment, and I think that these entertainers are going to be very very careful. One of the things that I always recommend to CEOs is they say, "Don't ever tweet your political perspectives. Don't ever do that because you're going to alienate your audience. You're going to alienate a portion of your customer base. It's not going to be good." And celebrities should probably do the same thing. I mean, they could just be examples of their political beliefs by being good. But I almost feel like right now, there are probably going to be a lot more of celebrities out there going to be careful what they share, what they post, knowing that at any given moment, if they say the wrong thing, they can have another firestorm that will cost them their, their careers. Okay. I guess the question that also has been on my mind this whole week, too, is the bigger question here of why is it that people are so addicted, and I'm going to use that term, to social media and this whole idea of posting. Um, you know, it... I think it's it, a chemical brain release. It's, it's, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like um, you, you, sue, you, you do something and you get a reaction and the reaction triggers a, a you know a reward response in your brain i believe a lot of it is a um is a is a chemical addiction and it's just i mean even the people i think it was one of the people that came out i was talking about facebook 
I forgot the gentleman's name, but he was saying that, you know, Facebook, where our goal is to get you to get on there and be on there as often as possible because it triggers your, your brain's response, your reward response. I think that's what people love doing. They love going on, posting something, getting a response. I love, you know, if I tweet something out and I get a response, I'm like, oh, it's pretty cool. So it could be that. I think people are, are addicted to, to social media. You know, but realistically, mm-hmm. and maybe I'm showing my age in saying this, you also have to put this in perspective, too. I mean, it's it, it, it can't run your life. Well, you know, different eras, different times. I grew up in a time where I would go out when I was a kid and play all day and come back at night. And some people, you know, grew up in that era. Other generations, they don't do that. They, they grew up having access to the Internet 24-7, having access to a phone 24-7. And they get a different generation, different values. And as far as it running your life, I mean, I guess it's up to the individual. And the parents want to take control of their children's lives and make sure they don't become too addicted. That You know, it's up to them. But I think we have a lot of people out there that are becoming overstimulated. We're always on our phones. We're always checking something. So we have that overstimulation and, and over you know, checking social media. I think it's just become part of the culture. And, you know, some people can't see the bigger picture. They can't see the bigger picture. Like, you know, why do you have to be on your phone 24-7? Why do you need to be on social media? So I think that because of the fact that we're so addicted to the 24-7 news cycle because we're always plugged in because we never give our brains a break, I don't think that our society as a whole thinks critically the same way we have previously done i think that we're trapped in the presence of now the crisis of now and in being trapped in the crisis of now we tend to get outraged so easily and we don't really think long term and with the long-term effect of being addicted and on our phones 24 7 i don't necessarily think it's going to be a good positive thing for our culture interesting thoughts shared with us by um our guest this uh, first half hour of our program on the fan, um, Ryan McCormick, kind enough to uh, join us. He is a co-founder of Goldman McCormick Public Relations. And we've been talking with him about some of the um, reaction response to um, Roseanne Barr's tweet this past week, uh, ABC's response as well. And Ryan has shared some perspective with us. I want to thank you for joining us. I know that you have to um, move along in the course of your day, but I appreciate you sharing some of your thoughts with us this morning. We're going to move along and take some th- calls from some of the folks listening to us. As thank you well. so much, Bob. It's an honor. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on our program, Right, And have a good day. After our 8 o'clock update, it is Rick Wolf who's along with the Sports Edge program. Ed Randall follows our 9 o'clock update on the fan this Sunday morning. In the final half hour of our show, I'll tell you what we'll do here today is because this story has kind of exploded and gone into several different areas in the past week, I'm interested in taking some of your thoughts um, on the reaction and the aftermath of Roseanne's tweets and uh, the firing uh, cancellation of her show, some of this discussion, too, about um, racism uh, in this country. You want to join us in discussion? You can. WFAN's toll-free line is 877-337-6666. It is uh, brought to you by Mohegan Sun. Unlimited possibilities await you at Mohegan Sun. Plan your stay at mohegansun.com. There will be people who will say that there's a um, double standard on the part of uh, media Uh, In this country, uh, there are going to be people who will point to exactly what Roseanne Barr said in that tweet. 
and say it was flat-out racism um, that was being expressed. And obviously her remarks very much condemned universally in uh, the past week uh, as well. And we saw in the speed with which her show was uh, canceled, uh, the speed with which her remarks were condemned, um, basically a very, very quick reaction. It showed in a way the power and the speed with which communication can take place in this day and age uh, as well. And I think that there are lessons uh, for all of us, and there are definitely lessons for those who use social media on a regular basis. And that's kind of what I'm looking to discuss with you. 877-337-6666. That's our phone number here at The Fan. And let's start with folks on the phone. I know some folks want to weigh in on uh, this topic as well. Let's go to uh, Michael in Yonkers. Michael, good morning. Welcome to The Fan. Michael in Yonkers? Nope, he's not with us. Okay, he said that she should not have tweeted. Uh, A lot of people share that view, of course, and I guess it was the day after, I guess it was on Wednesday, that this story came out where she was saying that the reason that she tweeted in the middle of the night in California and Pacific time, because this tweet, I believe, came out at like 2 o'clock in the morning Eastern time on Tuesday, and she claimed to have been on uh, Ambien at the time, and that this was a result of having taken Ambien, and it's, you know, there are people who will talk about a variety of things that happen when they've uh, taken Ambien um, that normally they would not do, Uh, and she was uh, blaming it on that. Um, it, you know, some people discounted that. Um, you know, that was her view. Um, she was, um, I guess, relatively speaking, um, somewhat quick to um, ultimately delete the tweet. Um, but the problem is when you post something on social media and you have lots of followers, um, the information gets out and it does not take very long in the day and age in which we live with the 24 hour news cycle and with the many news outlets for the information literally to go viral. And that's, part of exactly what did um, happen. Anyway, back to the phones, 877-337-6666. Interested in some of your thoughts on uh, this topic. Let's go to uh, Kathy in Connecticut. Kathy, good morning. Welcome to The Fan. Yes, hi. Thanks for taking my call. I have several points I'd like to make in succession about um, what's been discussed so far by between you and the gentleman that hung up earlier. Not not the caller, but the uh, consultant you had on the phone. That was Ryan McCormick, yes. Okay. The first thing is, um, this was not a single tweet by Roseanne. She has a pattern of making racist comments previously. 
And that was, so this tweet had to be put in that context. Mm -hmm. Secondly, how dare that Ryan fellow use the word lynch mob to describe what's gone on with Roseanne. She was not lynched. She did not lose her life. She wasn't, her civil rights have not been violated. It's disrespectful to folks in our country who have been lynched for him to use that word. Okay. He needs to find another way to describe it. Thirdly, this is capitalism. They, they basically preempted the whole loss of sponsors that went on with Bill O'Reilly and some other people. And fourthly, I'm an equal opportunist. I also think that Samantha Bee should be fired for using vile, sexist language against Ivanka Trump that she didn't deserve. Okay? So I, that's my point of view about uh, your discussion so far. Points noted. You've put them out there in order, uh, as it was, detailed them. Thank you for sharing your thoughts with us. Thank you. All Next up on the phones at 877-337-6666. WFAN is Maurice in East Hampton. Maurice, good morning. Welcome to the fan. Good morning. You guys have a great show over there. Thank you. Uh, I don't want to comment about what she did or what she didn't do. She, she actually said what she said. I just want to say I grew up in a home with a mother who lived on Ambient. Mm-hmm. And what she did every single night was unbelievable. I mean, we were petrified of her when she was on her ambient. She would eat and leave stuff all over the place and say, say things that she had no clue she said in the morning. And re- ambient, for anyone that's lived with it, can say and can know that it's got a real interesting effect on people. So for her to say that she was ambient and therefore said some stuff, I can actually believe that seeing what I grew up with. Interesting. Thank you for sharing that perspective with us, Maurice, um, as well. Uh, next, we go to Mike in Brooklyn. Mike, good morning. Welcome to the fan. Good morning. I, uh, well, I'm calling to say that I feel Roseanne Barr was well within her right to tweet that, and I feel that the media is 100% biased, and it's only they only like to perpetuate these thoughts when it's the common and the popular thought process. The liberal media loves to, you know, they, they don't like to broadcast and they don't like to keep going with what. Whoops. Actually, okay. Mike disconnected himself or his phone disconnected. Uh, we did not do that. Uh, I did want to follow on exactly why it was that he felt that she was within her rights, but he expressed what he wanted to, I guess, in uh, that portion of our discussion. Uh, you want to join us? 877-337-6666. Interested in your thoughts uh, in the aftermath of Roseanne Barr's uh, tweet, some of the reaction to this um, firing, uh, show being uh, canceled, um, and also some of the uh, discussion that has uh, taken place as a result of all these actions in the past week. And I guess... Also into this area of discussion about social media, the impact of that, and the use of that, especially in corporate America today. It's Sunday morning on The Fan. Good morning, everybody. After our 8 o'clock update, Rick Wolf is along with the Sports Edge program. We are talking with you this half hour of our program, and I've opened up the phones, 877-337-6666. Getting your reaction to some of the um, things that have come up in the news in the past week about um, Roseanne Barr's tweet, 
Um, her firing, show being canceled, uh, reaction to that. Uh, some people want to weigh in on um, this whole uh, comment uh, from uh, Samantha B about Ivanka Trump as well. So we're going back to the phones and get your thoughts. Let's go first to uh, Rob in Buffalo, who's been waiting for some time. Rob, thanks for waiting so long. Good morning. Welcome to the fan. Hey, thank you. And uh, I have to first say, um, been listening to you for a while, been listening to the fan for a while. Um, thank you. My biggest comparison is the fact that Roseanne Barr did something stupid, mm-hmm. which she has done multiple times. So we know that she's kind of a wild card, but um, Samantha B. she made a comment that was rude, and it was actually on a teleprompter, which means five different people approved it before it even hit the airwaves. So Roseanne Barr made a conscious, accidental mistake. But someone else made an actual political comment. I mean, if, if I called my wife what Samantha B called Ivanka Trump, I'd probably be sleeping in the barn. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just I want to know why you're not covering that side of it. Why is no one covering the side of bad comedy? Because rudeness isn't comedy. It's not funny. And Roseanne's show was actually covering some pretty good topics as far as socially. Uh, Transgender children, uh, biracial children, the fact that poverty exists, the fact that you can't afford medicine. Those were pretty good topics. And to cancel a show that was actually doing that in a conservative way tells me that there was something even more. So feel free to either respond. I don't know if you want me to stay on the line or... Well, let me ask you a question, okay? Uh, Because you've raised... I think you've raised a couple of interesting points. The first question that comes to my mind is, would you like to see that show come back even if it came back without her? No, no, because she's, she's the driving force. Okay. And from the standpoint of Samantha B, what do you think would be the appropriate, for lack of a better term, punishment for her? You want to see her? Well, I don't, I don't necessarily know if it should even be her, mm-hmm. but her entire production company, everyone who approved whatever showed up on that teleprompter, because I, I've, I've never actually watched the show. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming she does nothing but read what's on the teleprompter. That usually is the case, yes. So anyone connected from the teleprompter to the producer, everybody fired. Okay. All right. I, I mean, think... she can keep her show. I mean, I, I could care less. <laughs> TBS, really? I mean, it's not even an actual station. <laughs> so I could care less. I mean, the conservatives are going nuts over it. But who is she? Does mm-hmm. anyone even know who she is? Well, somehow we've gotten people talking about her, so I guess you could make the contention that, yes, people do know who she is. Um, well, and could this be a fact that maybe her ratings were low? 
Maybe someone floated that up on there, and, and now her ratings are up. What's she going to say next? Yeah. Now she's edgy and controversial. Mm-hmm. Rob, thank so, you. Thank you. For- I just, I just want to see equal weight on both sides. Okay. Because because ABC also canceled Last Man Standing because Tim Allen was a little bit too conservative. Mm-hmm. Fair point. So I hope Fox picks up Roseanne just like they did Last Man Standing, and I hope to God that that conservative values still show up in America and in sports. Points noted. Thank you very much for your call, and thank you for being patient on the phone, too. I know you waited a long time. Hey, thank you. Thanks. Thank you for your comments, too, about listening. Uh, next, we go to, where are we headed here in New Jersey, to uh, Frank in Plainfield. Frank, thanks for holding on so long. Welcome to the fan. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. You know, I always leave my house a half hour early on my way to Mass just to listen to you. Oh, that's Any, very nice. Thank anyways, you. Anyways, um, just to weigh in really quickly, um, you know, what Roseanne did was definitely wrong. Come on, you can't spin it, all right? You can't spin it. And with the other, you know, the Samantha B, it's all wrong. The difference today is, you know, when you fired Roseanne, so many people lost work. So many innocent people who did nothing. Now, my point is that if you fire, you know, she gets fired, everybody loses their job. Back in the old days, we used to watch all the family, the Jeffersons, and do it not did knock the hell out of each other, and we thought it was funny. Everybody laughed. Everybody lightened up. Now, it's if you make a joke or a statement or anything, people just want to rip you, and it's both sides. I'm a conservative man, but I have to be honest. It's both sides. It's not just one side. It's, it's you know, this this has been going on for a while. It's, it's like a, and it's so nasty, the things that people are saying back and forth, whereas we used to be able to laugh at our differences. Now, we attack, and, you know, one side, you know, is, has got more rectitude, and the other side's got a liberal, uh, progressive thinking, and nobody's in the middle anymore, and it's a shame. It's, it's sad. It's really sad. Frank, interesting points that you've uh, stated. Thank you very much for your uh, kind thoughts and also for listening, too, and for your patience on the phone this morning. Thank you, sir. Already. Next on the phone at 877-337-6666, we go to Bert in New York. Bert, thanks for holding on so long. Welcome to the fan. Good morning. So let me just start off by saying that I believe social media has uh, hang on, uh, Bert, 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 I'm sorry, your phone is breaking up. I don't know if it's your the cell area where you are or what, but you're literally you're breaking up here. Um uh, you got okay. me better now? Yeah, now that's much better. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to start off by saying that I believe social media has destroyed this country. It's really given a platform for people to breed hate and whatnot. And even though I don't agree with Roseanne's con- you know, tweet, um, she's a comic. And comics have gotten away with this forever, from Howard Stern to even Whoopi Goldberg, which is on the other side of the spectrum. And I believe that the liberal left lynch mob that came after her so quickly as i my point um where are they today when whoopi goldberg walks around with a t-shirt with donald trump and a gun blowing his brains out i mean can you imagine if a couple years ago roseanne wore that shirt with obama blowing his brains out would that be considered racist i mean there's the last caller made a good point 
you're either all the way to the left or you're all the way to the right. There's no more middle ground. And social media doesn't put a face behind a comment. You know, if you make a comment and you smile, you might see that somebody's kidding. But when you put something out there, and I'm not defending any comments that were put out there, but there's got to be consistency and fair play on both sides. And the liberal left media right now is so anti-Trump that anybody puts anything up in support of anything or any ideals that he has, they're branded a racist or they're branded as somebody that, you know, basically is deplorable. And that's all I got this morning. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for your patience on the phone and for your thoughts sharing them with us. 877-337-6666. That's our phone number here at The Fan. You want to share your thoughts? Feel free. Let's go to Carlos in Port Washington. Carlos, good morning. Welcome to The Fan. Uh, thank you very much for having me. No, and all I want to talk about is um, when Roseanne, you know, says these type of things, you know, these hateful words, you know, it just kind of normalizes this type of speech. And then when people, you know, start normalizing this type of speech, you know, everyone's looked upon a little less. So you shouldn't even be saying that on both sides. You know, even with Samantha Beach, she shouldn't be saying those things either. So I do think, you know, once people start normalizing these type of, these type of words and these type of uh, ideas, you know, people just, you know, start disrespecting each other and disrespect this loss, you know. Well, can we, can we ever get that respect back for one another? Of course, you know, by showing no compassion, you know, showing, you know, that, that hate is not the way to go, you know, this unity, you know, unity is the way that we got to go, not to, not for, for division, you know, I feel like everyone's kind of isolating themselves, you know, with, with, with just with their race, too, you know, I feel like, you know, it's almost like a little, um, like, pocket little races, you know, like, everyone's kind of going back to the good old the days, you know, where... It was kind of almost like you stayed with your type of people instead of, you know, uniting and coming even stronger together. All right, Carlos, thank you for sharing your thoughts with us. Thank you for your patience on the phone, too. Um, uh, no problem. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, let's see. Next up is Rich in Connecticut. Rich, good morning. Welcome to The Fan. Thanks for holding on so long. Good, good morning, Bob. Thank you so much. It's an excellent topic that you're bringing up today. Uh, I agree that what Roseanne said was totally incorrect. The, my problem is with the fact that it's uh, she was dealt with in the manner she was, and folks like Tim Allen, who have one of the top-rated shows on TV, gets canceled when they find out he attended the Trump inauguration. And Bill Mayer can go on there and make comments about President Trump, saying he looks like an ape and nothing's done to him. And Joy Behar can basically come on her show and basically say Christians that feel that they're hearing from God or having a conversation with God are mentally ill. And nothing happens to her. So basically, my only complaint is, you know, people should measure the words that they speak because they can cause a lot of damage and hurt a lot of people. And at the same time, those who do the same things on both sides of the fence should be dealt in the same manner. And it's just a trend, a trend in the entertainment industry and in the media business per se. Uh, for those of a liberal perspective, I cut a lot more rope than those that would be of a more conservative perspective. And it's across the board. It's everything from these television shows to the comments by the ESPN people. Uh, I remember they were interviewing the coach from Clemson, and the guy started giving the Lord the glory after he gave, and they cut him off, and they went right back to the studio. So, I mean, it's... Uh, I guess what we could say is what's good for the goose should be good for the gander. It should be uh, across the board. If it's one way for one uh, persuasion, it should be one way for all of them. I guess that's what I would say. Whatever happened to the middle? Yeah, I mean, why can't we just measure our words and speak alive instead of just trashing people? I mean, just common courtesy. Hmm. I mean, it seems like it's going out the window. All right. It's an interesting question. It's been raised repeatedly here this morning. 
Thank you very much for being so patient on the phone and for your kind words and thoughts with thank, us. Thank you very much, Wayne. 877-337-6666 is our phone number here at The Fan. You want to share your thoughts on uh, this week, um, the comments by uh, Roseanne Barr, um, her firing, dismissal, um, some of the response to that. Want to share your thoughts on the media? Um, go right ahead. 877-337-6666. It's an opportunity to do that in the final couple minutes. We are with you this morning. And Rick Wolf and the Sports Edge follows our 8 o'clock update on the fan. Next, we go to Joe in White Plains. Joe, thanks for holding on so long. Welcome to the fan. Oh, thanks. Thank you for having me. Um, I just want to kind of disagree with the the recent calls that I've heard. I mean, what Roseanne Barr did isn't a, a political thing. This is a woman who went on there, and this is a multiple-time offender. Uh, comparing black people to apes, this is a long-standing racist uh, thing. And, and for her to, you know, to play the, oh, well, you know, I, you know, I was just making a joke or, you know, oh, I'm really tired. I've been taking Ambien type stuff. This is nonsense. This is a woman who's done this on multiple times. She engages in uh, conspiracy theory and bigoted statements on her uh, social media accounts. Uh, she got exactly what she deserved. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, um, you know, if you want to hold Samantha be accountable for what she did, I don't have a problem with that either. Although comparing them is, to me, they're different. They're apples and oranges. One person was making uh, an inappropriate statement about Ivanka Trump, uh, but she didn't engage in any bigotry, whereas the other person went out there and used, you know, basically um, basically racial dog whistling. And, uh, you know, to think that she wasn't going to be held accountable for that, it's, it's crazy. Uh, you know, there's no person to feel sorry for here. The people that worked with her knew who she was. They knew that this was something that she does and was capable of doing. So there's no reason to feel sorry for them either. You know, they chose to uh, work with her. So they knew what she was about. Well, I can feel sorry from them for them from the standpoint that they lost their jobs as a result of, you know, um, a tweet from her that wasn't something that they necessarily intended. I understand what you're saying, though, but I do. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I do have. I tend, to feel, I tend to feel bad for people yep. you know who lost you know their jobs who aren't millionaires. But I mean, right, exactly. <laughs> Joe, thank you very much for your patience on the phone, also for sharing your thoughts with us this morning. Thank you. Already, uh, one final call very quickly here, Maureen. We got less than a minute. Good morning. Welcome to the fan, Maureen. Yes, hello. Less than a minute. Right? Yes, very quickly. Okay, great. Just quickly wanted to say that um, we're blaming the liberal media. What about Rush Lombard, Hannity, all those people who spill lies every day? Um, equal treatment is not being uh, said. You know, there's a difference, the last caller said, between racism and uh, an off-comment off that's not acceptable. But... Uh, to blame that and the lack of civility goes right to the top right now of who's sitting in the White House. Okay, we're going to end it on that. And that, that's Thank my you. comment. Thank you very much for your call this morning and your thoughts. I'm sorry to run on that, but we got to go. Time-wise, we got to get back on point on this program, Mr. Minko. That's why I'm here. It's uh, been a very busy show, as I had a feeling it would be this morning. After our 8 o'clock update, Rick Wolf is along with the Sports Edge. After our 9 o'clock update, 
Eh, well, how do we phrase it? Probably the best way. Ed Randall will be here. He'll be talking baseball. Remember what I said at the very beginning of this show, folks. Pay very close attention on Sunday mornings. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.